0: Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com/tapiphone.
2: Coming up on DTNS, the US Department of Homeland Security takes a tip from advertisers to fight illegal immigration. Why Tesla wants to charge people for features they thought they already had, and Patrick Norton helps you pick a laptop. This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, February 7th, 2020. In Los Angeles, I'm Tom
3: Merritt. And from Studio Redwood, I'm Sarah Lane.
4: Drawing the top tech stories from Cleveland, Ohio, I'm
1: Len Peralta. And uh, I'm Roger Chang, the show's producer.
4: The aforementioned
2: Patrick Norton, host of This Week in Computer Hardware and AVXL, is here. Hello, Patrick.
1: Hey, greetings from the, uh, well, the edge of the Great Plains, where we can see the Rockies in the distance, just east of Denver. We were just Studio talking about, snowbound.
2: We were just talking about <laughs> Patrick's gear uh, he, he's traveling around in. We were, we were talking a lot about old-time uh, radio and new-time radio and the technology problems <laughs> we're in. Uh, if you want to get that conversation, become a member and get Good Day Internet at patreon.com slash DTNS. Let's start with a few tech things you should know.
3: Google announced that Chrome 82 will warn users before starting mixed content downloads or non-HTTPS downloads started on secure pages. Chrome 82 will warn about executable files and Chrome 83 will block them. Archive file types, PDFs, Word docs, and image files will follow with all mixed content downloads blocked in Chrome 86 on the desktop. Mobile versions of Chrome will have these policies delayed by one version.
2: The U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Declined to rehear an October ruling that upheld most of the USFCC's 2017 repeal of open Internet guidelines. Petitions filed in December by the Computer and Communications Industry Association, Internet Trade Group Encompass, and 15 US states had asked for the case on net neutrality to be reheard, but it won't be.
3: Motorola's new Razer phone has a hinge system that Razer says, quote, includes movable support plates that rigidly support the display when the phone is open, but collapse out of the way when the phone is closed. However, CNET used SquareTrade's FoldBot, if you haven't heard of it, it's a robot designed to open and close folding smartphones repeatedly until they die, figuring out at what point they do die, and found that Moto's phone only lasted for about a quarter of the time of the 100,000-plus fold time the Galaxy Fold lasted.
2: Ah, how about some good news for Motorola, though? Uh, the Moto G Power and Moto G Stylus have been announced. Both phones feature a 6.4-inch 19x9 full HD LCD screen, Qualcomm Snapdragon 655 chipset, 4 gigs of RAM, 5,000 hour battery on the G Power and 4,000 on the Stylus. The G Power comes with three rear cameras, 16-megapixel main shooter, 8-megapixel ultrawide, and a 2-megapixel macro. The G Stylus comes with a stylus and also a 48-megapixel main camera, 16-megapixel ultrawide, Limited to let you shoot horizontal video while holding the phone in portrait mode. Also has a two megapixel macro. The Moto G Power starts at $250 and the stylus at $300. Both ship in the spring. All right, let's talk about a way to make some money on Instagram, Sarah, finally.
3: Oh, let's. Instagram confirmed it built an internal prototype of an Instagram partner program that lets creators earn income by running ads on videos. No revenue split was announced, but Facebook Watch currently offers a 55% revenue split for video ad breaks. So one would assume same parent company, maybe it'd be something like that. Previously, Bloomberg reported that IGTV offered to offset production costs on some celebrity accounts, but offered no direct monetization.
2: Yeah, they they, they had basically done what Facebook Watch did in the early days is subsidize some folks to say, hey, we'll pay your production costs. Uh, but this... Uh, Adam Masseri on Twitter responded to Josh Constein's TechCrunch article about this saying, yeah, we've been planning this for a long time. What's your big deal? Why well, after the clicks, Josh Constein, with your breaking news, <laughs> fact is Instagram has not made an announcement about this, but Masseri basically said, yeah, we, we are thinking about doing something like this. And Sarah, uh, Instagram TV has not been a big hit, so maybe they need something like that.
3: Yeah, it really hasn't. Uh, in fact, Instagram, uh, the IGTV button was taken off of the iOS app. I'm not Totally sure if the Android app as well, but I believe so, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, from from prominent placement because the company was like, yeah, just low engagement. So the fact that you might have a show on this platform where you can make some ad rev, great. I mean, that of course the company would 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 want to try to get that going. I just don't know how much momentum IGTV has in general.
2: It's a little bit of a chicken and egg thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security confirms it bought access to a commercial database that maps locations of millions of smartphones in the United States, something multiple advertising companies purchase as well. That's what the service is for. The U.S. DHS just did the same thing as advertising companies. Wall Street Journal sources say, however, that the DHS uses the information not for advertising, but for border enforcement and to combat illegal immigration. The DHS has not confirmed that part of the story. The database itself is compiled from apps where you grant permission to track your location. You could be a game, weather app, e-commerce app. Uh, the data is then anonymized in, in a big database to just show, like, okay, here's here's where these IDs go, but we're not going to tell you who the IDs are. And it's used often for determining things like foot traffic, population density, uh, which helps advertisers decide who they want to target and, and where they want to put their advertisements. But but the data can also be combined with other data that a customer has on its own to help deduce a user's identity. So if the ID that's anonymized goes back and forth between two locations and you know who lives at one of those locations and works at the other, you could probably figure out who it is. Wall Street Journal sources say the DHS used the data to discover a tunnel used by drug smugglers coming in and out of San Luis, Arizona. Arrests were made of people... Using a tunnel in San Luis, Arizona, for drug smuggling, the location data was not used as evidence. So there's no no confirmation that it was used there. But if it was, it was only used as a lead. It was not used uh, to convict. Back in 2018, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in Carpenter versus the United States that accessing historical records with cell phone location data, like going to a telco and saying we want to get that, uh, needed a warrant. That if you didn't have a warrant for that, you were violating the Fourth Amendment. However, government lawyers reportedly approved this new program because the information was available through commercial ad exchanges. And they said, look, if if any company can buy this, then the US government can buy it too. And therefore, they didn't think the ruling applied. We'll see if this gets tested in court. My guess is somebody will come forward uh, and contest it. But even beyond whether it's legal or illegal, the, the question is, do we feel comfortable having the government Using publicly available location data to de- to de anonymize, deduce, and catch criminals without any kind of other oversight.
3: Patrick, you want to take this one?
1: Um, it's funny because on on uh, oh boy, um, so there was a really huge article in the New York Times uh, a few weeks ago where they had somebody had given them a chunk of data from one of these commercial companies that you know they've they've purchased the data from a bunch of apps and it was kind of crazy to watch what they could do, like figuring out where people had visited and, and, you know, if you can figure out, like, if there's three phones going into this particular house, which happens to be where this celebrity or police officer or judge or your ex-girlfriend lives and you can trace where they go and you can kind of figure out who it is and you can it, it's just, it's, it's creepy, right? Uh, and we were talking about that, we were talking about also uh, the fact that the carriers were selling this in, a lot of tracking information um and they then Ajit been.
2: Pai I, basically most of them say yeah. they stopped now but yeah
1: the AT&T says they're not doing anything wrong Ajit Pai says they everyone's going to be punished all will be punished um to have a shakespearean moment um <laughs> not that I ever really agree with Ajit Pai or Ajit Pai but the uh it's it's messy and it's scary and it's like you know it's it's kind of amazing that the sort of ideal uh surveillance state of the Soviet Union is being achieved through opt-ins. You're not reading on apps you don't care about that sit in the back of your phone doing things. Just report your data. And eventually, as more of this data gets pulled together, you can pull together some really frightening profiles of where people go, what they do, what they're doing, what they buy. Um, eh, I, I, I'm, I I'm deeply uncomfortable with all of it. The, the important um,
2: point here is this is... We, I know you brought up the carriers because there's other stuff going on, right. but this isn't that this is right. legal, Yes, opted in. Like you say, people yes. may not have realized what they were opting into, but this is legal data collected and sold legally. This There's nothing I've controversial not, not about this being done. So I just think that's important because people may immediately go to like, the DHS shouldn't be allowed to do this. Uh, right. It's against the law. Yeah. It's not.
1: I think in many cases, it's not particularly, you're not, in in some cases, some of the applications are probably somewhat less forward about telling you what they do. That's a whole separate
2: issue about whether you're really getting valid consent. And I think we need to have that conversation here though. DHS is obtaining it in going through the proper channels, whether they should be able to do that or not is a question, like you're saying, but also if they do get this, yeah, I want them to catch drug smugglers. Sure. But what's the oversight? What what is the transparency that makes sure that yeah. that's all they use it for and that it's accessed and this is, in in a very narrow way I I'm not but that's seeing
1: the problem that. is when it's a commercial problem there really can be no oversight because they'll just do an end run around it you know what I mean there's there's I mean and this is this is not entirely a new issue where it's like the police have access to this well so does everyone else and then there's this like you know needle screeching across the record moment where people are like wait wait you do? can just buy this information <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Um, well and I feel we, like we've, we've had this talked about
3: in different areas. yeah I mean yeah. Th- this conversation <laughs> sounds familiar I think because we talk about it all the time oh facial recognition well okay if that's not something that's going to convict a criminal even if uh, you know law enforcement is going after somebody but it can be used as a lead that's what this sounds like in theory and how do but, we
2: set up a structure where this information can be used for the good purposes and not the bad uh, and right. I think right now people are like I just don't Trust that that can happen. So I want nothing to happen.
1: See, we have a secret court with a secret judge <laughs> that looks at the individual case and makes determination. Maybe we, have we a, don't.
2: Maybe we just use open courts with honest judges. Oh, stop, Tom.
1: <laughs> Thomas, I mean, in Thomas, land. Thomas, is, unicorns. Is and, so, yeah.
3: so silly. Uh, well, let's talk about something else that's upsetting people, but in a very different way. <laughs> Android Police <laughs> notes that many people are having. Let's call them frustrations with the auto-punctuation feature added in late January to Google Voice typing. Before the update, you had to say punctuation out loud like period or comma at the end of a sentence. The new feature is supposed to relieve you of that burden and, you know, make it feel more natural and insert punctuation manually, but apparently not working consistently enough for users. For instance, periods often show up in the middle of a sentence if you pause too long, if you're thinking about what you're going to say next. Google's Recorder app does the same thing when it makes transcriptions, but apparently has a different or better algorithm, does not have the same issues. Sadly, there's no way to turn off automatic punctuation, short of uh, uninstalling all updates to the Google app at this time. Yeah, I don't.
2: The thing that befuddles me about this is, uh, and I know Google's a very big company, so there's lots of reasons why this can happen. But why would Google voice typing push something live when they've got a product on the same operating system on the same yeah. phone that this is going to that outshines it? Uh, I know it's not as easy as just take that algorithm and plug it into Google voice typing. I know it's more complicated than that. Uh, but it's it's befuddling to me that you would push this out when it doesn't work.
3: Totally. Well, the, I mean, and again, I so don't, I don't work at Google, right and so I don't really <laughs> understand uh, how, you know, the inner workings work at the company. But I know it's a big all place, and the recorder team clearly is not talking to the Google Voice team, and that is not surprising either. Maybe
1: they are, and the Google Voice team isn't listening, listening or maybe yeah. there's <laughs> – you know, well,
3: I mean, maybe maybe always... so, but, you know, the Google voice team was like, we've got a better solution. We just aren't there yet. <laughs> maybe Shout the Google recorder
2: reporters. team was talking, but the Google voice team put a period in the middle of their sentence. So they didn't understand <laughs> it.
3: They were like, oh, that's it. Okay. That's all you had to say. Fine.
2: All right. On December 20th, Jalopnik reports that someone named Alec bought a used 2017 Tesla Model S. This is important. It was used. There had been a previous owner. You'll understand why in a second uh alec bought it from united traders a dealer uh united traders had got it at auction directly from tesla on november 15th so someone had turned this back into tesla uh there are various reasons why that would happen uh i think would only confuse the issue but tesla's like okay we've got this used tesla we're going to auction it off to these dealers who can then sell them used great everything's fine so far at that auction The car was sold, and Jalopnik has the the paperwork on this. It was sold with the Enhanced Autopilot and FSD package. That's the one that lets you, you know, have the car drive itself a little bit. That package is sold for a new car as a one-time payment. You pay $8,000, you get that package. It's on your car. You know, it's not a subscription. That's also important. Uh, It's just, you pay it, now you got it. Now, Tesla did an audit of the car on November 18th three days after Alec had agreed to buy the Tesla. Uh, Audits are done regularly for Tesla on their software. That's just a part of the deal. However, this audit determined that the customer of the Tesla had not purchased the software package for Autopilot and FSD, and therefore it would be flagged for removal in the next software update. United Traders says that after Alec had agreed to purchase the car, but before he took it home, he was doing a test drive, and a message popped up saying Autopilot had been upgraded and consequently stopped working alec and united traders figured oh it's probably a glitch i'll get it fixed in a in a future software update no big deal he took the car home however when he contacted tesla support about it tesla customer support told alec the feature was not in his purchase history and he would need to pay for it if he wanted to get it back a source from united traders has told jalopnik that the same thing happened with the ludicrous speed package being removed 60 days after United traders had resold a model XP 90 D with the same response from Tesla for that owner that the used car uh, owner never paid for the feature. And that's why it was removed.
3: It does seem like the, the fact that this is all pretty much software based is a hassle for Alec and, and people who've gone through anything similar to him, But but sort of like you get a hold of Tesla somehow you get customer support on the line you explain what happened and then they go oh yeah you should have that
2: that's what you would want to have that is not what happened
3: well exactly but like it it should because this is going to happen more and more as you know we we get further along in some of the older Tesla models
1: somebody dig into the Eula. Um, uh, well, but this you, is, I mean, you don't even have
2: to go as far as the EULA. The sticker that came from Tesla to United Traders had this package listed. There's a copy of it on the Jalopnik site and, and right. the bill of sale. Or I guess the invoice that United Traders has it and then the sticker when he sold was sold to Alec had it. So it was never listed as something that would be removed.
1: Well... Okay, but, and, and I mean,
2: there's some regulations around cars that say if when you list it for sale, you can only list the things that are going to stay on the car. You can't remove things but, before. But you this sell is it. also,
1: I mean, like Sarah said, this is always going to happen more and more often, right? Because the the you know there are more and more you know Teslas coming off of lease. I mean, Tesla's relationship to the aftermarket is kind of abysmal and complicated and messy and if there's a whole huge group of people who have figured out how to hack into the subsystems on the vehicle so they can do things like reset sensors after a crash and rebuild them Tesla was going all out to for example to prevent cars from being parted out or sold with salvage titles after accidents or even like rebuilt after accidents it's they have a complicated relationship with anybody other than them touching their vehicles and I you know that, you know, they, you know if the you know I've seen products where it's like the warranty can't be transferred or you know the membership can't be transferred or the service can't be transferred. i I'm surprised somebody at Tesla hasn't made a or or Elon hasn't blurted out on te, you know on on Twitter um that what the actual official policy is because this yeah. is this would really. Screw up the aftermarket sales, which would be really good for Tesla uh, Mm -hmm. if it turns out that, no, no, only the original credit card holder can redeem that whatever it is for whatever package, whatever software package upgrade is. But the thing is, Um, that
2: needs to be made clear up front. Uh, either to the original owner or at least before it's auctioned off to United Traders. The, Tesla should make that clear. And that is not clear. So there's there's one problem, no matter what the explanation is. The other explanation for this that I could give that is favorable to Tesla is their audit process just doesn't account for used cars. Uh, that in the process yeah. of going after that stuff like you're talking about, Patrick, uh, it assumes that all cars are new. And therefore, if it's like, wait, uh, owner name does not match you know name of people who've purchased feature we're removing it uh that that would need to be fixed that could explain why tesla hasn't commented on this yet because they're trying to track down what actually happened
1: that's not a feature that's a bug yeah yep (laughs) but we don't tell anybody that
2: i'm i'm eagerly waiting to hear tesla's uh response on this
3: Moving on to Uber. Uber reported it lost $0.64 cents per share in Q4 on revenue of $4.07 billion. Analysts had expected revenue of $4.06 billion and a loss of $0.68 cents per share. On the earnings call, CEO Dara Khosrowshahi said that the company has moved its profitability target from 2021 to Q4 of 2020. They're feeling good, optimistic. Gross bookings for rides increased 18% on the year to $13.51 billion, while its Uber Eats division saw gross bookings increased 71% to $4.37 billion. Uber thinks it can achieve profitability because it's lowering spending to promote growth. For example, rides grew 20% year-over-year in Q4, but earnings hit $742 million, up from $195 million just a year ago.
2: Yeah. So that it looks like Uber is on plan, at least as far as rides go. Uber Eats is still a younger business. But but rides, uh, as you slow growth, if your plan wasn't working, that revenue would start to slow. And it would right. it would, indicate that your increased revenue in the past was only because of customer acquisition. But this implies that, oh, the growth is slowing, but the revenue is going up, meaning existing customers are just spending more for the rides and they continue to ride.
3: Yeah, and I mean, I'm telling you, Uber Eats, <laughs> where I live now. Unfortunately, I'm out of the zone. <laughs> uh, it's it's been a real challenge uh, living my life the, these days. But but you know, all kidding aside, that has been. I mean. From from everyone I know who uses an Uber or a Lyft or any sort of ride sharing company, but to get that food delivery, I mean that is actually the sweet spot, and that I I believe is where the company is going to continue to grow.
2: Yeah, and and Uber Eats is on is in the early part where it's it's losing money. Uber Rides, uh, if you look at EBITDA, which is a way of looking, you know, taking out some some costs that aren't associated with operation, is actually profitable already. Hey folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about 5 minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: The Claude three model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI.
0: With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between
1: intelligence, speed, and cost.
0: From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit Stripe.com slash Tap iPhone. Oh, laptops. There's
2: a lot of them out there. You may be tempted to buy (laughs) one. Uh, Patrick's got some thoughts on what laptops you might want to look at first uh, if you're making that decision. But before you even do that, Patrick sometimes you could just upgrade the laptop with some new ram or a new hard drive right and that's a good option right now oh, it sounds
1: like it's an extremely good option in fact if you've been thinking about you know upgrading your laptop or your desktop with more ram or upgrading your ssd you might want to do that sooner rather than later um it, it, at one point so memory prices were peaked uh in 2018 and uh there's this crazy camel 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 uh uh, link I love so much because you look at like it's like sixteen gigabytes of DRAM, and it peaked out at I think two hundred eighteen dollars for the kit Yeesh. in January, two hundred nineteen dollars and ninety nine cents on Amazon um for the the kit in January thirty first, twenty eighteen, and it's back down to a steady seventy seven dollars now, seventy nine seventy eight dollars I think. So m- memory DRAM prices. Have just dropped through the floor, and RAM's cheap again. And uh, the, the Samsung basically says the DRAM market is actually starting to recover. Um, you know, everybody who makes DRAM: SK Hynix, you know, Micron, Samsung. They've all been just brutalized because the the price of it has dropped so far. But uh, there's a ton of data center build out, and 5G smartphones, and there's still some crazy uh, sort of, especially in Chinese cell phone manufacturers, where they're like putting eight, twelve you know, I'm sure we're going to see 16 gigabytes in a, in an Android phone soon. And, uh, so because of the demand for, for 5G rollouts and data centers that they actually expect the prices to go up, and when the prices start to go up, uh, you know, SSDs get more expensive and uh, a memory for your system gets more expensive. Uh, yeah. And also, um, if you're buying a new laptop, sorry. No, I was going to
2: um, say, we, we were co- we've we been covering, you know, the Samsung earnings, the Sony earnings. So so people should realize, like, when we were talking about them saying, oh, the chip market's going to bounce back, that's what they mean. It's good for them, bad for the you. That's the chips they're So you want to buy right yeah. now while the price is low
1: yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting to look at because, it, you know, for a while there, you know, for, first GPUs got expensive and then memory got expensive and now things have been, they're in a pretty good place right now, um, especially with AMD challenging Intel uh, primarily on the desktop. But what I didn't realize is um, AMD laptops now account for uh, 16.2% of all laptops sold, which is like 4% up year to year. That's the biggest percentage they've had since 2013. Um, I was reading this article on, on TechRadar where they're like, AMD Ryzen CPU cells are you know, off the hook, but you know, they still have a long way to go. But they're growing. And what was crazy is if everybody anybody was paying attention at CES probably caught up with the AMD Ryzen 4000, uh, the mobile APU announcement. And uh, we're talking about 7-nanometer, like 8-core, 15-watt, and 45-watt parts. And AMD is absolutely gunning for... You know Intel's knees, which is you know the huge amount of their sales are in laptops, mm-hmm. um, and so by going to seven nanometer, they did like a twenty percent drop in in power consumption. Like they've doubled the performance per watts. Uh, the performance is going up, um, and you know you're talking about being able to put a forty five watt part, which is a very will fit into a very light and thin laptop. Um, you know eight core sixteen thread processors, uh, and the performance on these is pretty crazy because. Um, when you look at like uh, notebook check, uh, like basically like there's some early leaks of, uh, for example, I think it's like a Acer Swift, AMD Ryzen four thousand powered unit, where it. You know, depending on whether you're looking at individual core performance versus um, multi core performance, but essentially um, they looked at it versus a Dell XPS 7390 and an XPS 157590. But they looked at it like a Core i5 and a Core i7 versus this not technically shipping yet AMD Ryzen part. And the AMD part was considerably faster uh, on the 10th gen Core i5 part. So we know that AMD usually sells chips for a lot less than intel Mm -hmm. and because they've been getting their process technology together and their designs together they are delivering some pretty amazing performance for the dollar um and the the sort of like the the gpu uh performance on these apus which is a lot of acronyms, even for me, um, <laughs> is pretty spectacular. And actually, because Intel was really proud, like Ice Lake, we've doubled the GPU performance, you know, so you can play Fortnite at 720p. Um, and the Ryzen 4000 processors uh, are doing a, 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 you know, judging from, again, early benchmarks that are showing up, uh, that uh, they are crushing some of the performance of these ice-like processors. Um, all of this is a little speculative, but I kind of want to say this because Dell's going to be making AMD-powered laptops. Uh, Lenovo certainly has in the past. Acer's doing some. Um, you might want to be thinking about waiting until these Ryzen 4000 uh, mobile parts start shipping before you buy your next laptop. Less so if it's like, yeah, I do some spreadsheets, I do some email, I watch mm-hmm. some Netflix. You shouldn't be worrying about it, but if you're like, could I edit video? on an XPS 13 without you know, missing my desktop system. Um, probably you'll still miss your desktop system, but you'll be missing it less. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm really kind of curious about the performance on these. Um, it's also interesting because the Ice Lake announcement that came out at CES, uh, Intel did this really good job of not comparing c- CPU performance of Ice Lake versus Comet Lake, because it turns out that Comet Lake, which is technically the older 10th gen processor, is... Um, for mobile is actually outperforming a lot of the ice lake in some of the benchmarks and there's a really great article on uh, uh, anantech.com intel's confusing message comet lake better than ice lake Hmm. because they did a really good job of presenting like look at all the amazing graphics performance against an amd part but they never compared comet lake and ice lake directly because ice lake doesn't maybe look like it's an actual improvement in anything other than gpu performance um so a lot of words here i just want to say everybody Wait. If you're thinking about buying a laptop, I would say wait until these these next gen AMD processors hit the market and the reviews start coming out. I'm really curious to see what mobile battery life is like on these systems, uh, and I'm really curious to see what the performance is like when they are showing up in products, um, because occasionally, you know. One of the things we've seen, especially on a lot of the the fanless uh, laptops in that the sort of 15 watt or, or 7 watt uh, category, is that the design of the laptop can sometimes, if the processor exceeds the TDP that the laptop can dissipate, then you get really crappy performance out of what should be a much faster processor. Too much, but heat it
2: makes also, it run down your very battery.
1: slow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I was looking at a friend's like brand new 3,500 dollars core i7 uh, machine, and my two-year-old Core i5-powered $1,500 laptop was spanking it because it could mm-hmm. not disappear. When do the um, Ryzen
2: 4000 parts start showing up for people if, they, if they're thinking about wait
1: waiting? So that's why I say, like, if you're thinking about this, just wait a little bit longer until those start showing up and we start seeing what the reviews and benchmarks look like. Like after um, the first of the
2: year. Or
1: wait. Yeah, well. End of the th- year. it's after the year. But ab- before, they're supposed to be out by the end of the first quarter. By, by the end so of, of uh, March. Can- Yes. yes, if you can wait a couple months, I would, um, because I'm very, very curious to see what the performance on these new AMD parts look like when they're actually in shipping products that are showing up in reviewers' hands. So, hope that wasn't too many acronyms too fast.
2: <laughs> no, 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 that was
3: great. No, uh, it, was good, stuff. it was good stuff. Good stuff. And folks in our subreddit love talking about laptops as well. If you see a story you think is, is 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 relative to what Patrick was talking about, want to vote on others, Reddit.com is where to go. You can also join in the conversation 24-7 in our Discord, where which you can join by linking to a Patreon account, patreon.com slash DTNS. Let's check out the mailbag. Oh, let's. Regarding our conversation on Thursday about EVP of gaming at Microsoft, Phil Spencer, saying he sees Google and Amazon as more of a competitor than Nintendo or Sony... Dustin suggested clarifying a point about cloud gaming. It's not just things like Stadia. Dustin writes In addition to servers that can be used for cloud gaming and snapping up developers to make games for them, developers need servers to run their games on. If your game needs more than just a connecting Connecting players together, you need servers for them to play on. Apex Legends has servers hosted on EA's own data centers, but also has servers on Google's Compute Engine. Amazon has a service called GameLift designed to get developers to run games on AWS. So a really popular game is going to need a bunch of servers to back it up, and Microsoft is going to have to compete with Google and Amazon for those customers.
2: Good additional stuff. Thank you, Dustin.
3: Very good. Thank you, Dustin. Also, thank you. And a big shout out to our patrons at our master and grandmaster levels, including Kevin S. Morgan, Dan Dorado Hankins, and John Johnston.
2: Len Peralta has been drawing during the show. Uh, Len, uh, what is your drawing today?
4: Well, you know, I think this theme uh, is emerging for this year, uh, 2020 for DTNS. I have never (laughs) drawn (laughs) Patrick Norton before. And I thought this will be a good day to draw it. I had drew, previously last month, I drew Lamar. Uh, so this is the first time I've drawn um, Patrick. So I, I sense that it's going to uh, be a theme as we move throughout. This image of Patrick is it's, it's really cute. He's really he turned out very cute. Alarming uh, like he says, Patrick Person. Norton says, it's a good laptop, <laughs> which is trademarked.
2: <laughs> so I, I went
4: ahead and trademarked that for you, Patrick. You can go nice. ahead and use that well on uh, all your shows. <laughs> not only a it's drawing a cool. of you Patrick but also intellectual property there you go yeah this is this is just i you don't know get any i am a, i am a giver i always just give all these things to everybody this is actually <laughs> yeah, a, speaking of which if <laughs> if you're a if you're a patreon uh, subscriber of mine patreon.com/len this is up there right now you can download it uh just go ahead and get it or you can buy it at my online store at LenPeraltaStore.com.
3: Len, wonderful job as always. Also, thanks to Patrick Norton for being with us. Uh, you know, the 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 photo or or the the image looks a lot like you. I know that oh, shirt. What?
1: The, sh- the <laughs> shirt, like I was about to pee <laughs> really? myself when I saw the shirt. I, I was know, like, exactly. wow. I'm yeah,
3: like, I he, type. <laughs> he he got it. He got it. Uh, but uh, Patrick, yeah. let folks know where they can keep up with the rest of your work.
1: Oh, uh, This Week in Computer Hardware, which I host with Sebastian Peak, we talk pretty deeply in depth about all the hardware news and reviews of the week. That's at twit.tv slash twitch, or just search for This Week in Computer Hardware on your favorite podcatcher
2: uh folks we've got lots of extra content if you like what we do on dtns you can get a a bigger show called good day internet uh you can get editor's desks from me where i talk about how we cover the tech news uh something really popular this week was roger chang's column on uh, picking out a new keyboard lots of thoughts on that so get one of these things or all of them by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dtns
3: Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. If you have feedback, we want to read it. We're live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. That's 2130 UTC. And you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live.
2: Back on Monday with Charlotte Henry as our guest. Talk to you then.
1: This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)